One, one th- thing specifically that he touched on last week was loving church is what Jesus loves. He loves the church. He loves his bride. The, the Bible speaks about us, the church, as being his bride. And then he's the bridegroom coming back for his bride. And there's a, there's, at the last day, there will be a wedding feast, man, that we're going to go into. And that's why we are on, still on this earth. We're kind of prepare, preparing ourselves for that day when Jesus is coming back. And Paul did a preach on how, how it will more or less look like in the last days. And I was like blown away by it. And we can send that to you as well. But in a sense, it just shifts our eyes to that day when Jesus is coming back and not the here and now. But sometimes we can be, we can actually neg- neglect the here and now as well. And today, I want to follow up on what does it look like to love the church? What does it look like to love the church? Because he, he says, guys, Jesus loves the church. And we need to love the church, right? But if I go around to all the married couples here this morning, and I ask you, do you exactly know how to love your wife? Do you exactly know how to love your husband? And you probably go like, Kind of. I'm still learning, right? I mean, when Peter, Tani Engela, you guys are, when Peter is like 72, right? I always get it wrong. So you, you look like 60, but anyway. <laughs> man, they follow Jesus like they are still like 20, man. And so I'm just looking at their marriage and their lives, and they're still always learning how to love one another more and more and more. And they've got a great example that we can look at, but it's still a learning curve, right? All the time. And when it comes to loving the church, it's a learning, we need to learn what he loves. You, you don't wake up knowing what he loves, right? You need to learn it. And so this morning, hopefully I can give us some practical examples, practical tools that we can go away and like, okay, I'm going to apply this in my life and I'm going to love the church like never before. Is that all right? We need to know what he loves and we need to grow in what he loves. Because when we get to love what He loves, we get to grow in Christ-likeness. When we get to love what He loves, we, need, we grow in Christ-likeness. We become more like Christ. And Ephesians 4, verse 10 and 11. He who descended, is that the right one? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just going to uh, read it here at my scripture. Ephesians 4.10, just check me out if that's the right scripture, Paul, please. But his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, that is mind-blowing to me. It is through the church that God chose to reveal himself, actually. Did you know that? Chapter 3. 310, sorry, my mistake. It's through the church that God chose to reveal himself. So church is really, it really is the vehicle that God chose to bring, to advance the kingdom of God. It's the vehicle. So if God chose his church to be the vehicle in which the kingdom would advance through the message of the gospel, surely we need to choose that as well. We can't choose our own ideas, our own, no, this is a good idea, so let's do it that way. No, man, God chose the church, and we need to choose the church as well. 
right? It doesn't mean you, you can only share the gospel when we are at church. That's not because then you think church is a building. Church, we are the church. The people of God is the church. So if you go out into your workplace, into your family, man, we get an opportunity to, to be part of this vehicle in bringing the message of Jesus. So I'm not going to repeat Peter's preach. I'm, I'm kind, kind of already there, but... <laughs> We now know that we need to love the church, right? And for some of us, that can create kind of a knee-jerk reaction, like, whoa, I, you, are, you are challenging me already. And I love the word that quotes and brought. It's just let, let's, let's compare it to God's word. It's not our opinion. We, ne- we need to bring God's word. And if you find it difficult, like what we're already saying about loving the church, man, we need to actually ask ourselves, why? Why do I find it difficult? Why do I find it difficult? Because it is possible, can I say that it's possible that all of us have a different idea of what loving the church should look like. For some, it might be just attending on a Sunday, once uh, every two months or so. For some, it, it means this. For some, it means that. Each person might have a different idea. And I want to look at what God says about how we should love His church. But before I get to it, I want to say, if you are struggling with the idea of loving the church, there's a good chance that, that, that you got hurt by a church, that someone in a church hurt you, that you possibly took offense at a church, a church leader. And, and it's possible that if you find it difficult to love the church, it's a very good chance that you might got hurt somewhere along the way. And it's not about being right or wrong. Maybe the church made a mistake. Maybe we made a mistake. We're not a perfect church. Maybe the, uh, some people in the church made mistakes. Maybe you made a mistake. Because did you know, it's not always just the church's fault. I often get to, to speak to people, no, that church, this and that. And I'm like, all right, that's probably like half of the story. What did you do? And so it's not always the church's fault. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's us taking offense. Sometimes it's us not dealing with it and we're carrying it along with us into the next church. And guess what? You're probably going to struggle with the same thing there. So we need to deal with our hearts and make sure our hearts are soft towards God's vehicle. And before I move on, I actually want us to pray and forgive right now. Because maybe you need to forgive those that hurt you. Maybe you need to actually repent if you were the one that did wrong. So can we just take this moment, maybe just close, close your eyes quickly. Just ask God, Lord, am I actually hurt because of that church, this church, maybe, maybe a leader in, in, in the church, maybe I was wrong. And I, and I actually brought that church with me, uh, that hurt of that church with me. And I want to say, it's not about being right or wrong. This is not a law case. This is the church of Jesus. And if you're going to bring that hurt with you, you're never going to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. And God will not get His glory that He deserves. And today, we need to forgive or repent. But either way, we need to make sure our hearts are soft towards God's vehicle. Can we pray? Is, is, is that all right? Is there anyone like that? Just quickly slip up behind you. You, you know I need to actually forgive. Thank you, thank you. Just respond where you are. Just, Lord, I need to forgive this morning. And Jesus, I pray right now that that we'll settle our hearts. We now make a decision, Lord, to forgive 
No matter what happened, no matter who was right, who was wrong, Lord, we want to look at your life as an example of always just forgiving us as we come to you. As we always do you, you wrong, Lord, and you are the right one, and, and still we persecute you at times, Lord. And this morning, we want to bring our hearts before you, forgive. If we did wrong towards churches and leaders, Lord, we want to actually repent and say sorry, Lord, for doing things and actually maybe lashing out towards church leaders or other churches or bad-mouthing them or gossiping, slandering. Lord, this morning we want to repent and return to you, Lord. We want to have grace and humility in your vehicle. Lord, because you deserve the glory. Amen. So I want to look at practical things this morning and what it means and how it looks like to love the church. And I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of ways we can love the church. If I ask, you know, you guys that's married, how, in what ways can you love your wife? I'm like, where do you start? There's so many things, right? There's so many things. Like in, in our house, I, I, I feel loved when Yohanri makes me coffee, when I don't want to get out of bed, <laughs> you know? And I, feel, I know she loves it too. So now it's like, oh, man, what do you do now? You know? So now who sacrifices that morning? And we kind of got a rhythm now. We, make turns, and anyway, <laughs> some marriage advice for some of you guys here, but uh, there's, there's a couple of ways, and I, I want us to actually just reflect on our own lives, you know, it's a very practical preach, but maybe you just measure yourself this morning, uh, if you want to use a scale of 10, maybe you can use a scale of 15, I don't know, but just measure yourself, when I mention one of the ways we can love God, just measure yourself, how am I doing in this, am I like doing 6 out of 10, um, maybe it's a four out of ten. Just measure yourself, not you know to see who's who's the next leaders in the church, but actually for yourself to go and work on loving his church more. Is that all right? So the first thing that I really find helpful. There's a lot of things, but I'm going to mention a couple of things that I found helpful in my life is serving. Serving is a wonderful way to love his church. In Philippians 2, I hope my scriptures are all right, but Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, which is pride, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Man, that is, that, that's challenging, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or pride, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. And so serving is how we do that. Serving is how we actually put one another above our own interests. And we, we love what he loves. Jesus came to serve. And, and surely if he came to serve, we need to love that. And we need to come, to come to serve. We need to come to serve. Some came to serve this morning. But we need to really love what He loves. And serving one another is not easy, right? It's not always easy. Sometimes when you serve, you get nothing in return. Have you found that to be true? But it's precious in the eyes of the Lord. I want to say that. Do not neglect this. And it should be done in humility, right? Not, in, not to be seen, not to, you know, but in humility, we get to serve. 
And so serving, uh, um, again, I'm, I'm touching, just scratching the surface this morning on some of these areas to preach on, on its own, each one. But serving is, is coming to church and you're looking, what does the church need? What does the church need? Well, okay, they, it, it needs hands to, to pack the chairs. It needs hands to play the, the instruments. It, you know, maybe there's financial need. and Whatever the, the needs are, you come to give and to serve to build up the church. Serving is, is, is going to your community during the week and you, and you actually think of Peter and you're like, what does he need? And, and, and I serve him. I, I pray for him. I, I, need, I meet his practical needs as much as possible. And it's a serving to, to really t- to value the person next to you more than yourself. I want to quickly ask the, the community that, that came to serve early this morning, the sound guys that came early, the band, everyone that came early this morning to serve, quickly just stand. And I actually want to really thank each one of you this morning. I want to thank each one of you that said, listen, I want to serve. Man, it's a sacrifice to wake up early, right? We left home, the Andreas on band, and, and, and we left home in the dark, and it's cold. And I want to thank each one of you, because if it weren't for you guys, we would have struggled this morning. So thank you for really serving this church. All right. So you guys can grab, grab a seat. This is, this, is, this is a wonderful opportunity to build up this church by serving. And so how do we measure ourselves? Oh, it's still with me. It's very practical. Let's test ourselves. What's a, what's a good way to test ourselves when it comes to serving? Is it that you came early this morning or not? That's not a very accurate way in testing ourselves because then you're kind of ticking boxes, right? A good test. Now you can do the out of 10 thing. If one of the deacons or your community leader come to you, hey guys, uh, we need hands for this Sunday. We are on serving. Um, you know, can you come and help? So a good test is you're kind of just waiting for someone else to respond, like on the WhatsApp group, or you are the first to ra- raise your hand. That's a good, that's a good test. And maybe you can't because you're busy, and that's fine, but your heart is, your, in your heart, your, your hands are lifted. Your hands are up. Yes, I'm there. That's a good test, right? You f- you're one of the first, and you, you do it joyfully. You know it's going to cost you. You know you need to wake up early, but you do it joyfully. There's a reason we have community serving on Sundays. Did you know that? If you're new to this church, every Sunday, a different community, which is our home groups during the week, each Sunday, a different community gets an opportunity to come early to serve. To do the setup, the chairs you're sitting on, the community packed it. The sound, it's not, it's not our building, so... We, every Sunday, we need to repack everything, <laughs> and, all right? And we're not professional, so, so we do it. Like the church, the saints, we do it. And that's why we do it, because we want to make sure each person in the church get an opportunity to serve. Because I know when I get to serve, I grow in God. If you want to grow in God, start serving. If you feel like you are not growing in God, Start serving. So where, where do you measure out of 10? Yeah, Just be honest. You, no one's going to look around. Just be honest. Like, oh, man, I actually, uh, man, I actually try to ignore those questions about serving. And 
you know, you know, maybe I need to just do better, you know, and be, be real. And a good, a good just measuring stick for those who are really serving a lot, a question or, or statements that might come out of your mouth at times is, oh, I'm on serving again. That, that's a, you probably you need to deduct one or two points there out of ten is that is, is often the case in your, in, your, in your life. Oh, why aren't the others serving? I'm serving all the time. And I said, again, just we, we need to keep our hearts in humility. That's the way we serve. That's the first one. The second one, how we can really love is church, again, amongst others, but is loving one another. Loving one another is one of the most important things in the way we can love the church. In 1 John 4, 1 John, 1 John, uh, 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So we cannot say we love God, but people, Ugh. Oh, do you know the people in my life, are you? They offend me, they, they disagree with me, they hurt me. Do you just know what people are in my life? Those people in my church, eh? Oh. We cannot say we love God and not love people. That's what Jesus said. I mean, don't throw stones at me. I'm just a, I'm just a messenger here. <laughs> But Jesus loved us first. Did you, did, you, did you know that? Jesus loved us first. Therefore, we can love. Therefore, we can love. People shouldn't earn our love. We give our love. People shouldn't earn our trust and our love. We give it. Because we follow Jesus' example. Those, uh, those who are married, we, we never had conflict in your marriage before. <laughs> it's a good answer. <laughs> because there's love, man. You're not going to just, love is not just overlooking things. It's working through things. And in church, there will be conflict. There will be disagreements. There will be, be opportunities for uh, offense. There will be all of that. But because of love and genuine love, we work through it. And often God will actually use people in, in your community, in your church, to, to shape you. Did you know that? The most, actually. And so a good test in whether we are loving one another or not, it's an out of ten thing. If, you, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel, why is no one loving me? Like, I know you, you said I should love others, and, and that's great. Thanks for the encouragement. But no one is loving me. I want to say I think then you are probably not loving the way Jesus loves. Because Jesus loved people knowing that some will never love him back. So are we willing to love knowing that some might not love us back? It's almost the thing of serving again. You, like you, 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 it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? It's more blessed to, to serve than to be served. And in love, the same thing, man. I just We need to love to love people. Not expecting love in return. Although if everyone has a heart to love and serve, you will be loved. 
It's a good test, right? And write it down. 1 Corinthians 13 is love. Go test yourself on that. I'm not going to read it now. I wanted to, but I'm not. But are you loving the way Jesus loves? Go measure yourself. Not to put a heavy on us this morning, but I want to encourage us, man. We need to love the way Jesus loves. Okay. I'll see if I get through uh, all the points. But number three, see how, how far we go. Who scored 10 out of 10 so far for both, both the first two? <laughs> the third one's humility. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the third point, man, that I really find to, to really be helpful in the way we can love his church is hospitality. Hospitality. Gasvrijheid. It's beautiful, man. This is like, oh, I think Jesus loves this. I think Jesus loves people being hospitable. Hebrews 13, man, I, when I read this, I was kind of like, whoa. I think that's a six for me, or maybe like a five when I read this. L- listen, listen to this. Keep on loving each other's as brothers, each other as brothers, all right? Verse two, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, for, uh, sorry, um, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. <laughs> yeah. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I mean, how, how that even works, I don't know, but imagine you host someone and it's an angel of, of the Lord. <laughs> and so hospitality in church is not just having an hotel or a bed and breakfast and you entertain that way. It really is having an open heart where you open your life, where you open your home to others and showing the love of Jesus. But suddenly when you speak about that, it doesn't matter where you stay. It doesn't matter in which room you live in. I remember a few years ago when we planted this church, there was a guy called Torino. He came with us from Cape Town to plant this congregation lovely guy, he really carries the value of, of the Bible, of Jesus' way, and again, when we planted, it's like, hey guys, we need to really be hospitable, we need to open our hearts, open our lives, open our homes, and he took it to the next level, so much so that most people were challenged by it. He lived in like, I, I can't remember, it's like one bit, it's like a bed, and, and that's his room. And he hosted every time there was an opportunity to host. I was like, well, I can sleep on the floor. You can bring in the matches. And he made food. They sat on their beds and having, uh, having meals. And I was just looking at it. It's not about having a fancy house, an hotel, all the resources in the world. It's about having an open heart, bringing people into your life and into your space, showing the love of Jesus. And that broke so much open in this church. But one day, man, I trust that you will receive that reward that Jesus will hand out. Beautiful, eh? And if visitors, there's a few visitors here this morning, if visitors walk into our meetings, into our community, do we recognize them? Do we actually go out to greet them? Or do we just kind of glean over and continue with my, my friend? 
And I actually want to want to say for those that's visiting us for the first time, if no one greeted you this morning, or n- if no one invited you to a community, I want to actually say sorry. I don't know if it happened. I hope it happens. Uh, hopefully, it did. But I want to say sorry if if you weren't greeted properly this morning. Because sometimes we can get so stuck in our own ways of doing things that we miss out on being hospitable. So, man. <laughs> yeah. But also for the visitors, know that everyone's going to speak to you now after the meeting. <laughs> imagine, imagine a friend of yours invites you to a family dinner. And you go to the house... And his whole family is there, 20, 30 people. It's like this massive family thing. And you, you go along, you go into the, uh, into, the, the, into the house, and everyone leans at you, and they continue chatting. Because it's a family time, man. It's, it's awesome. I haven't seen one another in a while. There's food. There's coffee. And the chairs are packed out nicely. And there's even music playing. And everyone is just having a ball. And you, you are that visitor standing there. Suddenly, you t- take out your phone, maybe listening to voice notes that you've heard like two weeks ago, you know, and suddenly oh, someone's calling me and you, you're finding things to do. Hey, can I help with, the, with the, the dishes or whatever? And you make yourselves busy because you are uncomfortable. Sometimes when people are busy in your midst as a visitor, it's not because they are comfortable. It's because they're uncomfortable. Many churches actually have strategies how to make people more comfortable in their meeting so that it's not awkward. And I mean, not all of it are wrong, but I want us to, to be attentive to this thing, to be hospitable. 1 Peter 4, verse 9, it says, Offer hospitality to, uh, to another without grumbling. Without grumbling, we need to offer hospitality to another. Imagine hosting someone and finding out afterwards there was an angel of the Lord. If I were to tell you before, and listen, there's an angel of the Lord coming, would you host him? I mean, all of us would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to grumble, you know, it's like joyfully come and stay at my house or whatever. Can we have that same heart with each person? Not grumbling, but always do it joyfully. <laughs> so the test for hospitality. Having a three-bedroom house. No, that's not, not, that's not the one, sorry. A test for hospitality is this. You know exactly who are the visitors on a Sunday. You know exactly, like each person, you know. That person is a visitor. I'm sorry for the visitors this morning. This is really just not trying to put you on the spot or anything. I'm really just, man, we need to get this right in the way Jesus loves this church. You know exactly who the visitors are. You might not be the first one to go up to them and say, hi, how's it? Are you new? the first time, you're not, you might not be, because maybe you, you, you preach, or you on stage, or whatever, or you're just busy, but you are aware of each person, and you're going to make an utmost priority to get to them throughout the morning. So where do you measure yourself? And I'm honest, uh, I haven't been doing well in that area. Sometimes I make myself busy, you know, preparing, being busy, yeah, and, and, and I'm aware of visitors, but I kind of often hope that someone else will just go and greet them. And so I'll probably do like a 6 out of 10. And I need to do better. And, but we need to be sharp in this. Another test for hospitality is when there's an opportunity to host, 
man, your house is open. You, you stick up your hand unless you're already hosting someone. <laughs> and, or you're busy, maybe, but there's a valid reason. But, but man, you, you just got an open heart. You're always, yes, uh, how can I help? Maybe I can't host someone in my, in my room, but maybe I can bring them food. Maybe I can chat to my community. Hey, guys, can each one bring five rand and we bring a meal or whatever? You get creative. So it's not just sleeping in your room type of thing. It's be creative, being hospitable. And some of you are really doing well in that area. All right. Number four. Everyone still all right? Is the practical examples helpful? The fourth point that I want to make that I find really helpful in loving this church is by giving. Giving. The big G word. <laughs> giving. That, hey, man. This, is a, this can be a difficult thing, eh? In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, listen to this. Each one, that's like each one, all of us, if you're part of a church, each one is part of this, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you want to love what Jesus loves, be a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. And I'm speaking not just about tithing here. I'm speaking about that which is over and above the tithe, which we call offerings. In the context of this, Paul wrote, he had to, and he was actually busy gathering money from different churches for a specific church in Jerusalem that was struggling. They were struggling financially and amongst other things. And, and he said, listen, guys, I, don't, I, I want us to give. But I want us to give cheerfully, but please do not give under compulsion. Do not do this reluctantly, but decide in your heart how much you want to give. But give over and above your tithes. Give your tithe to your local church. And if you have the means over and above, decide in your heart how much you want to give. But we're taking up an offering because there's a church struggling. And everyone was giving and giving and giving and to bless for a specific purpose. So you see, uh, it's, not, it's not just tithing. tithing. Tithing is really just the floor that we stand on. It's the starting block, really. And, and for many of us, this can really be challenging. But this is what Jesus loved, man. And I know for myself, and I'm being, uh, it's a personal thing, I know if I were not to give my tithe in, in that month, if I were not to give over and above my tithe during the rest of the month, I know my heart will drift from the things of God. It's just, I don't know, I know my heart. I know my heart will drift. And I don't know about you, maybe you are really managing very well in not having your heart drift at times. But I want to encourage you, the Bible said we need to be faithful with this in tithing and offerings. And I know, I don't want my heart to drift. I don't. And often people say, I cannot, I cannot afford to tithe, oh yeah? I cannot afford to tithe. But when I look at my life, I actually want to say, I know I cannot afford not to tithe. Because I know my heart. I know my heart will drift, man. And, you know, it's, 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 some of you love the topic of finances and some of you are into, you know, shares and, and all different kinds of things. And, 
often I'll, I'll speak to someone, I can just pick up what he's investing in. You know, it might be the latest share, and it might be the latest company, or I don't, I'm not giving financial advice here, but... <laughs> And often when, when someone is putting money into things, that's all they speak about. Have you, have you heard, have you found that to be true? I'm exactly the same. The things that I put my money into, I often speak about those things. Often. Church and cycling. <laughs> and my wife, of course. <laughs> but it's, it's just, your heart just drifts to where your money goes, man. So where, do you, where does your heart want to go? Well, where do you want your heart to go? And uh, we even changed our budget. We, 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 we cut things short just to make sure we get to give over and above our tithes. And it took, it took us a few years. It's not like overnight type of thing. But we make sure we tithe, and then we decide in our hearts to give cheerfully. Not because the boxy is going around and, you know. What do, what do we got? What do we got? And you just throw in whatever. And that's fine. And you can put faith in that. But maybe next time, come prepared, deciding in your heart, man, I want to give. Because God loves a cheerful giver. So the giving test, the test for giving. When you think about giving, you know it's not I have to give, but you know I get to give. So if you think about giving to God through the church as I have to give. You need to really just bring that before God. It's like, oh Lord, what a privilege it is to get to give. I get to invest into the things of God. And watch your heart follows. Watch your heart follow when you get to give into the things of God. It's a privilege to give into the things of God His way. His way. We honestly get excited to tithe every month. I know people are thinking, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Giving a, but we honestly get excited because it helps us to have an eternal mindset knowing that, man, the kingdom is going to advance. Whether I see direct results or not, I know that I'm sowing into the things of God and it will advance because God is in this. So it excites me. And it is a sacrifice, I'm not going to lie. It is. You can think of many ways where that money can go. But you know, man, I'm giving into the things of God. Is that all right? And then um, point number five, I'm, I might just end, end of this, um, is fellowship. Like Paul said, two fellows in a ship. <laughs> no, it's bad, eh? It's what he said. <laughs> but I want to take you back to a scripture where the early church actually started in the day of Pentecost where Peter preached, uh, not Peter, Peter, <laughs> almost, almost the same, and 3,000 plus people responded to accept Jesus Christ as, as their Lord and Savior, and they got baptized. I mean, surely Carmai must have been there with the admin gift to navigate through that. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> 3,000 plus people responding, oh guys, we need to baptize them. Um, you know, we've got a little splash pool here, so what do we do now? And uh, I'm just kidding, I don't know how it, how it was, but I'm sure there must have been a couple of admin gifts among them. But this thing grew quickly. Suddenly, in one day, 3,000 plus people responded to the message of Jesus 
gave their lives over to him, got baptized, and this thing exploded, man. Imagine being part of that. People from all walks of life, people who have, I mean, I don't know if they had much in common, some probably more than others, but many of them didn't have much in common. And suddenly 3,000 plus people get into this thing called the church. And now what? Imagine being part of that. How do we navigate through this? And I'm sure, I think there there must have been a a big chance for that thing to go pear-shaped. A big chance. 3,000 plus, each one with their own history, with their own baggage, responding to Jesus, and now suddenly we need to be the church. So how did they navigate through that? And immediately in Acts 2.42, it said that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. That happened immediately. It's not like, okay, well, uh, let me just uh, uh, find a group of people that's like me, that loves the things I love, and then I'll devote myself. It doesn't matter where you come from, man. It doesn't matter your culture. Your culture gets surrendered when you surrender your life to Jesus. And so when we do that, Jesus is our culture. We submit our lives, what we like and dislike to Him. And then we devote ourselves to the fellowship. And that's what they did immediately. And that was an important part of the why, the, the why they gathered. It's because of fellowship. It was a priority for them. It was a, a, like an utmost priority for the early disciples to, to be devoted to fellowship. That means, man, they built their lives around the fellowship. Like some of you are doing. And it doesn't matter, you know, like the fam- family is visiting this weekend, and you know, exams coming up. But it's, I, I'm building my life my life around the fellowship. And sometimes it really is like super important. There's a test tomorrow morning and it's like it's very important and I don't have time. And so we get that. But in your heart, it's like, man, I devote my life to His way. I devote my life to fellowship. Like some of you, you guys, medical students, I mean, I don't know how you guys do that. Like I, I, I don't do well with like less than eight hours sleep. And apparently you guys do that in like a week. <laughs> but still you guys are devoted to the fellowship, man. So well done. And I think it's something of the early disciples that they prioritized their lives around the fellowship. And so fellowship was not just going through the motions. It was they were devoted to it. If you are devoted to something, it, it kind of means like I can't go without it, right? It kind of means that. If you say, listen, I'm devoted to gym. I'm not, just saying. I'm sure it's obvious. Uh, let's say you are devoted to gym. You, your mindset is like, I can't really go without it. I might skip a day or two because of busyness or recovery or whatever, but I can't go without it. So with fellowship, why do we th- sometimes think we can go without it? If you feel like you can go without the fellowship, that's a good sign that you're not devoted to it. 
if you feel like, man, I, I, can, I, can, miss, I can miss a couple of things, I'll, I'll still grow. You're not devoted to what Jesus said we should be devoted to. And in Hebrews 10, verse, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur up one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day when Jesus is coming back is approaching. And until that day, we need not neglect the gathering of the saints, which other translations speak about, not neglecting meeting together, not neglecting the fellowship. And when we fellowship, we encourage one another, man, let's run for Jesus. He's coming back on that day, and we can encourage one another for that day. And that's why we have fellowship. It's not a, just a lack of, you know, social, which is very important to have socials and have fun together. But at times we get together, we pray, man, what do you need? Let's pray for that. Let's have fellowship. Let's love one another. Because Jesus is coming back. Fellowship. It's a beautiful thing. I can't go without it. Sometimes I do feel like I, I need to go without it. But I know in my heart, I, I can't. And it's and nothing wrong to rest and, and, and manage your life, manage your time. But do you center your life around it? And a good test for fellowship is it a priority to you? Is it a priority to you? You know what priorities are in your life. You know, I mean, we all make priorities. So what, is it a priority to you? That, that means, man, you are willing to adjust your life and your schedule so that you can be devoted to the church. Hey? Do you think of ways not to go, or do you think of ways to go? <laughs> and so, for example, we often run things during the week, uh, like communities and, um, and equipping and, and different things. And I know life is busy, I know. And some of you have kids and families to, to, to look after as well. But do in your heart at least think of ways, how can I make this happen? How can I, can we speak to your wife, speak to us, can we make this happen? Can we go? Or is it just like a straight no? The, the default is always no, and then hopefully Oya does a good job to convince me to go. <laughs> it should be a priority, like, man, I want to go. It's always a yes, and otherwise, if I can't, then it's a no. Does it make sense? And it's, it's challenging, right? But I, I want us to, to grab hold of the thing of, and loving what Jesus loves. And some we might score higher than others. Some really have the gift of serving. Some really have the gift of hospitality. And so it's kind of you, you pro you'll probably score a bit higher in those areas. But there's a couple of things that I mentioned now that we can look at ourselves. Like, man, where can I grow in? Maybe I can grow in giving. Maybe I can grow in fellowship. Maybe I can grow. There's a couple of other things like prayer and worship and Many things that we can look at, man, this is ways we can love His church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we want to thank you this morning that, that you chose us, Lord. You chose us to be in your vehicle to advance your kingdom.
And this morning, Lord, we want to realign our hearts, realign our priorities, realign our lives around you on what you like. And Lord, we really need to, to learn what you like. We need to learn what you love. And for many of us this morning, Lord, we might be at different places and we can feel like better in some and, and not so good in others. But I pray that this will be an encouragement this morning to growing in loving your bride, your church. That we won't be, in a sense, too hard on ourselves this morning, Lord, but we will find your grace that will enable us to love you. We will in, that your grace will enable us, Lord, to come actually and say no to certain things. Your grace that will enable us to say no to sin that keeps us from loving your church. And I pray that you'll give us that grace this morning. Lord, we want to be passionate followers of you. Lord, we want to be a people that loves what you love. We don't want to just go through the motions, ticking the boxes, but we want to love what you love, Lord. Being zealous for the things of God. And I want to I want to say that you know just referring back to what I read in the in the book of Acts where 3000 people plus responded to accept Jesus it really shows us that that's where it starts by accepting Jesus that's the, really the starting point by accepting him and then learning to love what he loves for years I I tried to love what he loves without accepting Jesus. I tried to love church. I tried to love giving. I tried to love serving. I tried to love the things of God without accepting Jesus and loving Him and out of a response, loving His church. And that is the starting point. And maybe you are here this morning and it's your first time and you feel a prompting in your heart and Jesus is tapping on my heart this morning to accept Him just as the early disciples did on that day. To accept Him this morning as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you made a decision for Him years ago, and you know that today there's no real, real reality to it. You're kind of going through the motions, and maybe it will be the first time that you make a, a decision to accept Him today. But I want you, if that is you, to come and find us afterwards. Come and find us afterwards. We will be here in the front. There will be one or two leaders here. But I want you, if God is tapping on your heart, move out of your chair after the meeting this morning. Say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to someone. Come to us and let us pray with you. If you, un, if you are unsure, if you don't know, come to us and let us pray with you and help you to find the grace of Jesus. Be bold in that this morning. Can I ask you of that? If there is anyone like that, please come and do that. We want to help you through in really following him well. But then I want to ask us as a church, if God has been speaking to you this morning, in an area that you need to actually do better in. If you are sitting and you're like, oh my goodness, I actually need to do better in the way I love His church. I want you to respond this morning. Maybe it's one or two, maybe it's all of them. Maybe you feel like, man, there's actually more that I didn't even mention. But if God is tapping something on your heart, I want you to respond and say, yes, from today, I'm going to love His church more. I'm going to love what he loves more. Because Jesus, you deserve the glory. And as a church, we do this. We give you glory, Lord, to prepare ourselves for that day when you are coming back. And Lord, help us in this as we do this, as we apply these things, as we take action 
on these things, that we will grow in you. We will grow in, in the things of you, Jesus. And I want us to, the way we're going to respond is just turn to the person next to you. It might be a bit awkward, but just, you know, I said love one another. You know, remember that scripture, you know, so hospitality, and, uh, you know, serving, <laughs> those things. But turn to the person next to you. And if you don't know the person, quickly introduce yourself. Be hospitable, right? And then share what, what's the thing that you want to grow in? What's the thing that you need to work on? Maybe you realize, oh, it's, it's definitely hospitality. It's definitely loving one another. You know, what's, what's the thing that you need to grow in, in the way you can love this church? Just turn to the person next to you. You don't have to 